Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, we are joined by Payman Raff, the co-founder of Mad Happy. Thanks so much for coming to the show, Payman. What's up, Casey? Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for being here. So I've, I've been so intrigued by what you and your team has built at Mad Happy. I've been seeing the brand for years now. But for those who aren't familiar with Mad Happy, I'd love for you to give a, just a high level of what you guys built and what the brand stands for overall. Totally. I mean, uh, to rewind a little bit, uh, we launched this brand Mad Happy like five years ago. Just this name that really inspired us, really had this like message of optimism in it. And we felt growing up in LA, in New York, just a lot of the brands we grew up with in the streetwear space were super cool, but very closed off, dark, negative. And we thought we could create a great brand that was a little more positive, a little more inclusive. And we launched Mad Happy in 2017, really with the idea of, trying to have a brand that really pioneered optimism more than you know the negativity that was going on around that time and i think yeah people were really looking for something like that and it really started picking up and now really our the thing became us talking about mental health and really people were really open to that you know and i think there hadn't been a brand before that talked about mental health in that way um and so yeah. we've really become that brand i love that you know i've over the years, I've even like with my girlfriend Jacqueline and friends of mine, I've always been this, my friends would say like delusional optimist, someone that's always trying to be positive and uplifting and it just comes natural to me. And I, I think it's so powerful what you guys are building at Mad Happy and to just rewind to the name, the branding of Mad Happy. I'd love to dive into that. Why mm. Mad Happy? It, it's such a polarizing name, right? You have Mad, you have Happy, and it just creates this unique feeling. And it, as as I can say myself, when I first saw the brand, and it just really speaks to the volumes of what you guys have built. But where did the name Mad Happy come from? And how did it turn into the idea to start a clothing brand? Totally, yeah. It's a funny story. So um, my brother and my other partner, Mason, had started a brand together in high school. They were super into fashion. And, you know, in L.A., you can go downtown and figure out how to make anything, basically. Yeah. So they had uh, they had started this brand, learned a lot, sort of that fizzled out. And Mason, who at the time had been my friend for like 10 years, really grew up struggling with his mental health a lot. You know, didn't know his biological dad growing up and just dealt with a lot of early life challenges. And was in therapy since he was six or seven and wow. sort of in a low moment had just thought of this name mad happy and he actually texted it to someone like i'm mad happy for you you know and it kind of no sparked something in his head told that name to my brother they both really loved it just what that could mean you know like like you said like everyone sees and feels something when they see that name for the first time and it it invokes different things for different people but i think we all knew it was something that could be powerful and we didn't have this grand plan at the beginning, but we were just like, let's put this name out there. Let's do apparel because that's what they had done in the past. And it felt like a great vessel. And for us, like the name Mad Happy, when you bring those two words together, it's like optimism. But optimism isn't about everything being perfect, but it's like being able to like deal with like the challenges that that are going to come your way and believing that you'll get through it, you know, and, and that yeah. message is in the name, which I think is very rare for a brand. And I think that's sort of what sparked it early on. Totally. Uh, it, it's so cool. And, you know, I know that uh, it's it's January 2023. You guys, you were just in Aspen for the Mad Happy pop-up. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, you guys have just, you've done so many incredible collaborations, pop-ups, and, and, and going back to the thesis of the brand of, you know, local optimist and bringing, bringing out this optimistic mentality. 
how has the business changed over the years and what in your opinion has been some of the most powerful uh just marketing initiatives outside of the pop-ups that have bring brought you guys to the spotlight across these different uh collaborations you've done yeah good question i think you know for us the name the name at the beginning was probably the most powerful thing i think the name really uh helped spark a lot and and that feeling of optimism was very clear since day one i also think in 2017 when we launched like no one was doing anything in, in the in more physical spaces you know we feel like for apparel that was something that was super important bringing people together in a space whether it was the pop-ups events uh block parties a bunch of different things we did yeah. around uh, uh, or over the years and i think that really created this community of these like what we call local optimists and brought people together and then i think this movement around mental health really has picked up over the last five six years and we were one of the first brands if not the first to really be talking about mental health in a way of like oh it's cool to talk about you know and i think it started this wave and trend of like people and celebrities and everyone being more okay to talk about the challenges yeah. they face and you look at what nike did over the last 50 years with physical health you know we think we could do something like that for mental health that's powerful and you know hearing you talk about that i it pops in my mind, right? Like talking about this idea of mental health and how it's been such a, like an open conversation over these last five years, you see companies like calm and, you know, partnering with LeBron James and like really, uh, making an effort to paint mental health as something very important that we should talk about. I'd love to dive into your journey of mental health that really what it means to you. And, you know, you're, you're living it and breathing it in the brand, but prior to mad happy, I'd love to dive into just, what mental health means to you as an individual and what that journey has looked like for you growing up and into the teens and into college and everything that you yeah. know happens in life. Totally. For, for me, I think it's, what's interesting is, yeah, I think when I was growing up, it wasn't something that really people talked about. Like I said, Mason was my first friend that I even knew that like went to therapy, you know, so I didn't yeah. really have a relationship with it at all in high school or college. Actually after college, I, my first job was working in banking in New York and um, a few months in I got pretty sick I got like kind of like mono like symptoms and I moved home for a little bit and didn't know what I was going to do next but decided to not go back that was like the first real hurdle in my life that I felt like oh I failed at something like what am I going to do and it was a really like down because period. you moved back from yeah New I York. moved home and I was just like damn like I'm not feeling good I don't know what's wrong and um, I'm not working like what am I going to do and it's crazy because if I didn't move home we would have never started the company but that was really my first experience where you know I had a downtime for two three four months in a row and I think uh, really gave me a lot of perspective and then ended up in us starting mad happy so just crazy timing and then I think over the years of course like startups are very demanding and so I think yeah. like mental health is at the forefront of like you know there are challenges with it in any company, especially if you're trying to do something um, as ambitious as we are, or, you know, others do in their companies. And so um, I think learned a lot. And I think the company sort of forced me to um, be open about it myself. And then yeah. really, you know, I only started therapy like two years ago, but I've gone weekly since then. So I think a lot of, you know, mind opening things uh, through the company. That's super cool. Um, and, and I know like speaking of, going to therapy and you know I, I think social media has brought in my opinion so many positive things out in the world of course you, you see a lot of negative things out there but what you guys have done with 
not only your brand, but the podcast and the community that you've created. You guys have created such a, an environment that allows these conversations to be powerful in your community. What, what do you think creates a great community? Because when I think about Mad Happy, I, yes, I think about the brand, but I think about, you know, if I see someone walking down the street wearing Mad Happy, I feel aligned with maybe their mentality and how they think about the world. And, you know, maybe, you know, they're a positive person. What creates those core values in Mad Happy? And and what do you think about building culture with inside your organization? Yeah, we got, we got fortunate. I think with apparel, you're really lucky because like, the brand is worn and so like people you you know when someone else um you know supports the brand or supports like the lifestyle or the mindset that like we're going after with optimism and all of those things so i think in many ways like you said like when you see someone wearing it you kind of like feel this bond with them like oh we, we relate on this thing and and i think that that really has created an environment that's been like super open and created a lot of the community organically and then i think us doing these physical spaces where people come together um, and us creating an environment that's like super friendly in stores and in all environments, I think just continue to add to that. And so, you know, that that's really what we've tried to do. It yeah. hasn't been this like manufactured thing of like, let's just like build this like pseudo community or whatever. It's just yeah. been like, let's just put great stuff out there and then the right people hopefully are attracted to it and then interact with each other in the world. I love that. And speaking of just, interacting with people where where do you spend your time day to day i mean you guys and this will be uh what i want to dive into next but you have three other co-founders right so there's four of you total that's in my eyes such a positive thing but i remember in a, in a podcast you did with uh mark our buddy from iconic and cole uh you talked about there's pros and cons and i'd love to hear how you spend your time and what's it like working with three different co-founders yeah i think you know, what we spend our time on, what I spend my time on obviously has changed over the years. Like now the team has grown a bit and, and we've been fortunate to have roles more defined really across organization. And I think that as as we've grown, um, that's become more clear. So, so, you know, I think we're working, I'm primarily working on the business and, and, and really like development side of what we're doing, whether that's new retail, new ventures, international, things of that sort um my brother mason are a lot more focused on the the re uh the retail piece on the design side the product piece that you know those types of things so i think it's created a good balance of things and and we've brought great people into the organization that are great at their lanes you know whether it's our cfo or someone in production or merchandising and so it's allowed us to not have to be so like in the weeds as much as we had to be um and just have like the right balance of that. that that's so cool um speaking of these these different locations how many pop-ups have you guys done to date yeah we've done like close to 20 which is pretty crazy anywhere from like three months long to a year long and i think initially it was just like based on what was available and you know we felt like it was a great way to get the product and brand out there and then now we're we're going to begin rolling out some permanent stores as well so just the balance of like being in great places at the right times of the year and and having some permanent presence in like our biggest markets. Totally. And I know like, you know, you have the Grove Palisades, all these great locations. If there's an entrepreneur out there that's starting a brand that's looking to do pop-ups, right? Maybe they saw Mad Happy, they've seen the success of how that's worked for you guys. Of course you can't, you know, duplicate the exact same process, but what's your advice to 
founders that are looking to start a brand that are looking to leverage something like a pop-up because you guys have done it in such a unique way. And I believe it, it speaks volumes to the brand itself. So what would your blueprint be if you were to tell another founder, you know, how to go about it and the things to look out for? Yeah, I, I think it, it takes a bit of time. So I think you, you definitely have to be patient. And I think you have to find people, whether it's creators or celebrities that have the same values that you're trying to like come out with as a brand and get them the product, you know, not really expect anything early on, but hopefully those people start sharing it, creating content, wearing your product. I think one of the best things about apparel is like, like I said before, like people wear the product. So um, it, it does a lot of the marketing for you. And then, yeah. I mean, you, you guys have incredible people wearing the product. Thank you. <laughs> of course. And, and so I think like from there, you know, like the, the next sort of natural step was trying pop-ups because we felt like if people ran into the brand and understood the message and saw the product that, that they would like it, you know, and they would yeah. be into it and then they would hopefully share it with someone else and keep that sort of flywheel going of like the more people that wear Mad Happy every day, hopefully that leads to more people learning about the brand, learning about what we're trying to do. So, um, that's what, I, that was, that's what my advice would be. That's awesome. Speaking of different collaborations, like one of the ones that I, I've loved, Larry David collaboration, how did that one collaboration, how does that happen? What, what do you think about collaborations overall and the importance of them for a brand? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, we did a few early on that, that sort of showed us the power of collaborations. And I think we've tried to think more outside the box and than just typical like clothing company with another clothing company collaboration. Yeah. And so I think because of that, that's really opened up uh, a lot of avenues for us, right? Like we did something with Larry and Curb and yep. that was the first time anyone did something with, you know, with that IP in the 15 yeah. plus year history of that company. And, um, and so it was, so it, cool. it was super fun and, and I think just showed us the power that, that brands could have. And I think the apparel form, you know, brands that have never put something out on the apparel side, I think it's just like really unique to be the first to do it. For sure. And so that's why we've done a lot of local spots as well. We're the first ones that did the John and Vinny's stuff as yep. well. And it's just, it's just fun and, and very community based, right? Those communities love you yeah. know, that show <laughs> or those brands. And I think it allows us to tap into it in a fun way and tell a cool story. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of doing something for the first time, that, that means you have to find a new path, a whole new direction. I would love to dive into like, for example, the Larry David collaboration. How does that come about? And just how have you guys managed to nail these collaborations the way you have? Because you're right. Like these aren't just the everyday collab that other brands have done. They're one of a kind, they're unique, they're fresh, they're new, and therefore they, they work. Yeah. Um, what's been the success of locking in some of these collaborations? I mean, you guys grew up in LA, you have an incredible network. I would love to dive into that conversation. Yeah, I think um, I think early on it was more of an outreach thing on our side, and then I think we became known for optimism. We became known for telling great stories around mental health, and I think it's really hard to tell an authentic story around that. So yeah. a lot of brands that are hesitant to do things are, I think, more open to working with us on something cool if you know if it makes sense and we could tell a story better together than they could on their own. And so I think that opened up a lot of doors, you know, and now we're very fortunate to be able to just work, continue to work with great partners in different places, keep it fun, um, not, yeah. not take it too seriously and just uh, see what we can do. That's awesome. Um, thinking about, you know, you guys have been in this game five plus years now with Mad Happy. 
you said something earlier that I want to bring up, right? Talking about what Nike did for physical health, you guys want to do for mental health. Very powerful statement. How do you think about the future of Mad Happy? And what does that mean when you say, you know, we want to do what Nike did to physical, but Mad Happy for mental in terms of, is that different product lines? Like, what does that look like for you? And, you know, I'm sure you can't tell everything, but I just, I'd love to hear the the long-term vision of Mad Happy. I know you guys have some some great partners that we'll dive into yeah. in a bit, but like, where do you, how do you think about the future of the company? Yeah, I think um, it, if you think about another good example is like Patagonia and what they've been able to do on the sustainability side, I think. Um, so earlier last year, we pledged like 1% of our uh, sales to, uh, to the Mad Happy Foundation, which we were also able to launch last year. And I think the idea being one, through our content, through our marketing, just make mental health more part of daily conversation. That's yeah. like probably the biggest thing we could do. But then two is like a lot of people are coming to us and saying, where can we donate? And I think being able to be a place where people could donate to, and then we fund different programs. So we have a project with the University of Pennsylvania. We have one with Vanderbilt University on different uh, different studies that really focus on bettering the mental health of like our main age demo in the 18 to 34 year old range. So continuing to do things like that. And then over the years, as we get exposed to new things, whether it's like the podcast and using that as like a platform to, to talk about mental health, right. To let celebrities share their story that maybe help someone who's struggling uh, somewhere, you know, anywhere across the world. I think continuing to do more and more things like that is 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 how we think we'll do it and then we'll learn what works better than others and keep doing that that's super cool and you know speaking of the podcast i love the podcast it's a great just how you guys go about it i think is so unique what's the experience been of hosting the podcast with the brand and launching that as an extension of the brand because i I think not only have you guys had incredible guests on but it's it's been a vehicle that has done very well and I'd love to hear your experience of starting a podcast within the brand and just what you've learned so far from that experience. Yeah, uh, I would say uh, podcasts are definitely a lot of work. So, <laughs> you know, I think uh, it's hard to know um, how, you know, how much energy and time it takes to really do it well. And I think, uh, thankfully, uh, I co-host it with Mason, my partner. So sometimes we split up episodes and things like that. But But I think it's been helpful in that, like, we didn't, see a place where those conversations were happening you know being able to talk to people about their mental health now it's like kind of a destination for that for a lot of people and i think we've enjoyed learning to become better hosts learning to have different people on the show and just really tell different kinds of stories and and it's just been fun you know we're almost you know in a couple months we'll be two years in and i think it's just like for us we want to do that as long as we're working on the company you know and i think even if one episode just helps one person yep. five years from now, like that's pretty cool. And I think the great part about the podcast medium is like most of these episodes you could listen to whenever, you know, they don't yep. really go out of style and just fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've having my show for five years, I feel like the, my approach has always changed uh, slightly, but I, when I interviewed Larry King back in 2019, he always talked about this idea of just, being curious and and leading with curiosity in every conversation. And that's always been my approach to podcasting, right? Like diving into the conversation keeping it very open-ended, but making it about business and, you know, the the company that we're, that the guest is building. But I think you're right. Like the medium is you you can listen to this podcast about building a brand and and mental health in 10 years. Right. So it's definitely super powerful for sure. Totally. 
Um, I, I want to dive into and take a step back into your upbringing here in LA. You know, I know you went to Michigan and you, you've had this incredible ride as a founder, but growing up in LA, like what were some of the activities you did that for, that shaped your mindset on the world early on? And did you have any, you know, expectation to getting into apparel, you know, yeah. as a, as a, as a company one day, or, or was that completely, uh, just a new thought that came into your life? Yeah. Uh, so, so my parents are both from Iran. They immigrated to Italy during the revolution in the seventies. So I was actually born in Italy, moved to LA when I was six. And so growing up, I always had this sort of like feeling like an outsider type because I moved here and then I didn't speak English when I first moved here and learning that. And I think for me, I always had like in just like an internal drive. And I yeah. was always very curious, like what you're saying about like Larry King. I think uh, for me, it was always just like learning about different things just to learn, not really like to do yeah. anything at the time. And, and I think, you know, I always had this feeling that I would start something someday, but I didn't yeah. really know what that was. And, you know, I think in many ways, like you can't script like starting a company totally. um, at a specific time. I got very fortunate. We all got fortunate at, when Mad Happy started, you know, us being relatively on the younger side, being five, six years in yep. um, at this point. And so I think a lot of those things really shaped me early on. And then I think basketball, playing basketball competitively growing up also was uh, just a great lesson for me of just like hard work and what it takes and the ups and downs that's more close to real life than, yeah. than school could ever be. And so totally. uh, a lot of those experiences really shaped who I am today. No, it's, I always love hearing that, like speaking of sports and how they relate to anything entrepreneurial. I think it's always, it's so aligned in terms of what you learn. Like I grew up playing hockey for 10 years, played lacrosse and then played football in high school until I got injured and was in the neck brace for six months. And that's really what led wow. me down this path of, of entrepreneurship, this massive negative moment. Um, when, when thinking about, and, and I'd love to touch on just your health journey overall when we walked in for people listening or watching you pointed out the, the ben greenfield book <laughs> that i have here um knowing you know playing basketball taking your health seriously what does that look like in your life right we talk about mental health i think for me a huge part of my mental health is you know how i do things physically and if i go to the gym versus not going to the gym yeah. my mental health is dramatically different yeah. in terms of like how i treat my day and, and how i live um what does that look like in your life when it comes to physical health and managing that with a business, a company, and just everyday life. Yeah, I think, um, again, like I think curiosity there for sure is like what's what's taught me the most. So probably starting in college was when I found amazing podcasts where you could learn a lot about health. And um, I had, I think, one of the first like 100 aura rings, just like funny, no funny, just like <laughs> random things that I would find. Actually, Ben was like one of the first people to talk about aura rings. But, really? But I think, you know, got really into that and just learning what worked for me you know and of course like in a startup it, it becomes challenging to have like the perfect you know health routines yeah. alongside trying to build a company and working really hard but i think trying to find that balance of like the minimum time that i'm okay with working out per week right or yeah. or or using the sun or using the ice bath things that uh, obviously i found that like really benefit me and and just make me feel good and so yeah i think those the balance of those things going to therapy every week a lot of that has has helped me manage what is naturally a very stressful situation in yep. in trying to run a company totally no i mean i uh i have i've had the ice bath here for the past three months and just having that 
a part of my daily routine has been game changer in terms of just how I feel and the benefits that, that come from it. Um, how have you done a lot of ice baths a in lot, your day? A lot. Okay. A love lot, to hear that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that. That is always great. Um, who are some mentors in your life when you think about, you know, people that have helped you? Is there anyone that comes to mind? Um, I mean, a lot of people, I think the thing that's like super underrated is like so many people are willing to help, you know, you really just have to ask. So I think I would, I would split it up into two things. One is like, I've learned so much from people I haven't even met through, through podcasts or through, through books. And I think that that's what's amazing about like the time we live in today. And then we've been very fortunate to have great investors over the years that like you can lean on for different things, you know? And I think that that the balance of those things has been just amazing, you know, and it's really just about asking for help. And, and uh, a lot of people are just super friendly and, and willing to give it, you know? Yeah. Speaking of investors, I know LVMH invested into Mad Happy. How did that, you know, come to be? And how has, how has that changed the business, whether that's from, you know, learning from them and, and getting access to their resources? And, and first off, congrats on that. That's, that's huge. So I'd love to dive into that. How did that all happen? Yeah, I think we had this idea around when we set out to raise a little bit of money in 2019, we didn't really want to go the traditional venture route. We just don't think that really works for apparel. Uh, We had seen a lot of examples a few years prior of brands that were great, but really raised too much money, tried to grow too fast. And with consumer, especially in apparel, we just don't think that works. And so we had mainly gone like the angel route and then, had gotten introduced to LVMH and it wasn't at a stage that really made sense for them. But I think they really believed in what we were doing and was sort of like, we were sort of a first of its kind, like working on mental health, optimism, those sorts of things that they're willing to take a little bit more of a risk. Um, Not really in the capital sense, but really in like the brand name and brand connection sense. And Mm -hmm. I think for us, it's been great to have them as partners. Uh, And, you know, when you think about like, long-term people that you want to be working with you know that that yeah. that's definitely comes to the top of the list <laughs> Absolutely. And, and i think as we continue growing as we expand into different areas of the world there's more and more that they could support us with and we're lucky to have just amazing people on board that um really believe in the brand believe in the mission and a lot of people became investors by first being customers and, yeah. and i think that that's an amazing uh, aspect of the brand that's awesome and you know speaking of just fundraising overall, I, I would love to kind of paint the picture for founders because I, I went through my own fundraising journey uh, in 2021 for my tech startup. We raised uh, just over a million dollars and that was my first time raising any type of outside capital, a lot of mainly angels. And, it, you know, it's a it's a learning experience. And I would love to ask you, what did, what did you learn in that experience of raising capital and what would your advice be to founders, whether that's in tech or, or you know, uh, clothing in your sense, when it comes to raising capital, especially in a market like 2023, which, you know, things are changing day by day. Uh, what would your advice be? A few things. One, I think like you, you can do a lot more with a lot less money than you think. You know, I think like over the past two, three years, everyone's thought like, oh, I need to raise a huge amount of money to be able to do anything. Yeah. Um, and I think you look at some of the, the best brands, but most successful companies and the amount they raised is a lot smaller than what most <laughs> brands sure. have been raising. Then I think like, you know, for us, we were fortunate because we didn't raise until we were about two years in. And so we thought we had a true proof of like, Hey, we th- we really think something's there. Yep. 
I think it's a lot harder if like you're trying to raise just to prove something out. And like, I would, I would ask people to like, think about what's like the smallest version of your company that you could prove out in some way. Obviously that's not possible with every company, but I do think that you can build something relatively, you know, quickly and, and efficiently, and then really understand what the opportunity is before saying, Oh, I need to raise $5 million or I need to raise $10 million. And then I would say like, if you could only raise 1 million or 2 million, like make sure that you can still build what you want and get it out there to really prove what it is that, you know, is providing value to people. Yeah. I, I love that. Super uh, valuable feedback. I, I saw this tweet recently because, you know, speaking of the, the last couple of years, people raising all this money, it's like a lot of founders are desensitized to money, meaning they think, oh, a million, two million, like I can't get anywhere with that. And I, I love what you said about do more with less. I think that that's a phenomenal mentality to have, especially as an early stage in this different market that is much different than the 2020-21 landscape totally. for sure. Um, when it comes to working with a team, I'm, I'm a huge believer of, you know, the power of a network, meeting great people, like staying curious in conversation. I, I want to dive into just networking. You guys have done, as we've talked about previously, so many great collaborations, but growing up in LA, what, what does networking mean to you? And how, how do you approach networking and meeting great people and eventually, you know, like doing things with them from a business perspective? I think a lot of young founders that are out there that a lot of people listen they always ask them, like, I always get questions on, on Instagram. It's like, oh, like, how have you built a network? What's your approach to it? And I'd love to ask you that. Yeah, I think it goes back to, like, the curiosity thing. Um, just being curious, being willing to, like, learn and and not really expect anything from other people. You know, like, I think a lot of people think if they just, you know, if they just message someone one time and they don't reply, you know, like, it's over or something yeah. like that. And I think, for me, I just, we always, like, built our relationships for the very long term. So, if you know we would meet someone it wasn't about like asking them for something right there but just really building a network helping them if you can Uh, but not really approaching networking as like more traditional networking of just like oh would love to get on a call you know but just like finding something that provides them value as well and then just building a real relationship over time you know i think time is one of those things that's like really important in like actually getting to know someone actually understanding you know who someone is. And, yeah. and I think being patient with those things is really important. Absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, this is a, a new year, 2023. When you approach uh, just goal setting from a business perspective, from a personal perspective, how do you approach that when it comes to, you know, having a goal, approaching it? Do you journal a lot? I, I can say I do. That's something that I just that's a part of my daily routine. What are some daily things that you do that help you stay sharp and, you know, stay focused as a founder and as an individual? Yeah. On the goal side, I mean, I think for me, I'm always just trying to get like, you know, 1% better a day. And obviously it's hard to track, but I think, um, what I try to do is like for the year ahead and then each quarter I look at it again or like the different buckets, right? Health, work, relationships, um, and like how, you know, what do I want to improve or build on in that time? You know, I think uh, my therapist who I think is amazing, you know, he always talks about like, we're always like, yes, it's good to want to improve obviously, but it's also like you're telling your yourself that like, you're not good enough as you are today. So I think trying to have that balance of like understanding that like I'm great as I am today and you know, I'm down to improve in different areas. You know, I think that mindset 
of not always trying to think about like, oh, like I'm not good enough here. I'm yeah. not good enough there. Really is, you know, it's not helpful if you think about it. Yeah. And so even for me, you know, I'm someone who like is always listening to a podcast, you know, always has something on at all times. You really have to ask yourself, like, you know, why is it? Why can you not stop? You know, like, why can you, you know, why can't I just drive here and not listen to anything? You mm -hmm. know, and I think like that says a lot about someone as well. And so I think trying to learn both sides of it, you know, being content in who you are today, yeah. even if there are things you want to work on, like we all do. Uh, I think it's more of what I'm trying to like cultivate. That's powerful because that I can say I, I fill my time with listening lots of podcasts and just consuming with, the, you know, things I want to learn about. Um, speaking of podcasts, do you have any favorites that are important to you that you listen to consistently? I have a lot. Um, I would love to hear about them. <laughs> um, founders, David Senra. Have you, yeah. have you listened to it? Yeah. Amazing uh, podcast. And yep. he's an amazing host. And, um, I mean, I've probably, I only found it like six months ago, but I've probably listened to a hundred episodes. Wow. That no, he's he's been, been doing very well. It's such yeah. a cool format. Invest like the best. Uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy. Amazing yep. as well. Peter Tia. Huberman Lab. I mean, I think those are my staples. I love that. What about you? Ooh, I uh, thanks for asking. I would say I have like a three or four like main circuit that I love. One is um, my first million. Oh, I forgot that one. Okay, <laughs> for sure. I listen to every episode. Okay, as well, yeah. got it, got it. That was that's my favorite. I love. Um, one that I've sort of listened to more is Rob Deerdeck's podcast, Build with Rob. Yeah. It's usually just him. He'll bring on guests every now and then, but it's he's just so sharp in how he optimizes his day is just phenomenal. I learned a lot from that. Yeah. He came on the show and just like learning about his like I haven't learned I haven't habits, listened to that one. Like, it's pretty insane. Yeah. Oh. You, you should listen okay. to it. He was I, amazing on my first million also. Yeah. So it's a very similar episode, but um he's great. <laughs> For sure. And then Jay Shetty, he's great. Just right up, you know up your alley of the brand, right? Mental health, everything he talks about, love his show. And, um, I had Jay on back in 2018 and just seeing how he's grown and, and the conversations he's has on, on such a wide and a public scale is so incredible. Yeah. So he had some, he's he had, been good. He came on last year as well. And he's just had some amazing, amazing episodes recently. And yeah. He's really been able to grow that. He has a book coming out soon, which is awesome. And yep. shout amazing, out to Jay. Amazing voice yeah. as well. For sure. So th <laughs> those are a couple of my favorites. Gotta love, love the pods. Um, Speaking of Mad Happy and your experience, right? You, you've grown so much as a brand. What would your advice be to your younger self starting Mad Happy today based on what you've learned over the years? Mm, I think uh, advice to myself would just be, and I, because it's like my first company, like, you know, a lot of the experiences you feel for the first time. And so, you know, every year you're like, you go through things and you're like, damn, like there's no way we're getting past this <laughs> obstacle, you know? And then you look back and there are very small obstacles and, but like they really just took so much of your like energy away. And, and even to this day, you know, I still experience that, right. Things that just rub me the wrong way or just like bother me and just stay on my mind. And I think I've learned that, you know, usually when you look back six months from now, like none of these problems will like matter. You know, yeah. and, and, and all you can do is just like keep going and like there's always going to be ups and downs. And I think that's the beauty of like a startup and also the beauty of our brand is yeah. that it's talking about the ups and downs. And that's really what a startup is. And you have to be like willing and able to sustain long periods of times of like those swings. You know, I'm yeah. almost six years Absolutely. in and 
and it hasn't really changed in that sense. And so, uh, so I think, yeah, it's, it's just a long journey. I used to think five years was like a good amount of time. Now I think <laughs> at least 10 years to do anything. So, yeah. um, so it takes a lot of time and, um, you got lucky, you know, we got lucky that we found something that we loved. No, that, that's awesome. And, you know, I think I've heard this quote. It's like entrepreneurship is chasing the un- uncertain, uh, chasing uncertainty. Um, when it comes, like when you think about the challenges that you guys have dealt with over the years, are there any moments in particular that stand out to you that, as you said, were, were challenges that you felt were like, oh my God, how are we going to get through this? But then looking back, you can point to and say, wow, like that was such a, a small thing in retrospect. But during that moment, it was consuming me because I think having these tangible examples can help people relate yeah, to their own life. I have a lot. So <laughs> uh, I, I would say um, one thing about the uncertain thing that you just said also is like, usually people who start companies um, start companies because like they love the control piece of it, you know, like myself included. So they're actually very bad at dealing with the uncertain and in startups um, and in life, like so yeah. many things are not certain yeah. and you have to be okay and embrace that. And I think that that's something that I've worked on a lot in therapy. I'm definitely not there yet, but um, th- th- that's just a side note. I would say in terms of big things, I mean, COVID was probably one of the big ones where, you know, no one knew what was going to happen. We thought, are we going to have to, you know, our team was probably like 12, 13, 14 people, but we were like, are we going to have to lay off half the team? Is no one going to buy anything? Are manufacturers going to stop producing stuff? And it was definitely like a crazy three, four, five months at the beginning of COVID, but I think we got very fortunate that like demand went through the roof during that time. I mean, our first curb drop was the day after the lockdown, Wow, which was insane. And then I would say like beyond that, like, you know, having to figure out like, you know, factories were closed, all those things. And you think like it's over, you know, that's what you think. You're like, we're a small brand. How are we going to like get through this? No one cares about our orders, like all that stuff. But, you know, looking back, we, we made it through and, you know, like other oh, problems, you will too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, COVID specifically too, like everything that you just talked about is like, those are big issues, right? You're thinking of manufacturers and like the world's changing. People are totally. not going out. Like the pop-ups, this formula that was working so well, we can't do them. Um, coming out of that now, you know, what, what do you look for? when it comes to avoiding problems like that in the future and things to look out for, right? You couldn't predict COVID, right? Mm. So what are some things that you guys are familiar with that are challenges along the road of this journey that you are, you know, more prepared for now after going through these challenges in the business? Yeah. I think you you never want to just like rely on one person or one thing, you know? So whether that's just focused on e-com or just focused on retail or one manufacturer or one area that you produce all your clothes. You know, a lot of people that were only producing in China had a really, really rough time. We were very fortunate that our apparel was all produced here at the time, but we still dealt with challenges because it was all here as well. So, you know, I think just being a little bit more diversified in that way, being a little bit smarter about the risk you take on, you know, especially in this uncertain time, it's like our first time now in this environment dealing with a time that no one knows what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen to demand no one knows what's yeah. going to happen to you know supply chains but but i think all we can do is try to try our best to continue building the brand in in, in the way that we know and you know see where we yeah, get absolutely and when it comes to the, the team how big is the team now we're like 30 35 
that's, that's so awesome. Um, what has it been like building a team? And when you're, when you're thinking about culture, what is the internal culture at Mad Happy? I know we talk about the brand overall and, and, a, and I just love to hear about some of the internal conversations that totally. happen and, you know, it speaks volumes to the brand itself. Yeah. I think, um, building a team, building a, a culture is really hard. You know, I think it's, um, startups are hard. So you have to find the right people who want to go on a journey that is tough. It is difficult, you know? And of course, like we're a brand that internally we're always talking in the most optimistic way we yeah. can, but also, you know, it's, it, you know, it's not working at Google, right? Like yeah. everything's not already figured out. You know, we don't have enough people to do everything we need to do. So it is challenging and it is stressful and trying to find that balance and just trying to be real with everyone. Right. Yeah. You know, and just, just honest about different things that we go through, different challenges that we have and, and trying to build a great group of people, both at like, you know, the VP and, and C level positions to really like help mentor and grow their teams. And then really younger people who want to build a career, you know, allow yeah. them to have the opportunity to do that at our company. Yeah. That's super cool. And, you know, I, again, I, I love this idea of what you guys have is this four person four founder dynamic. I, th I think it's so unique. You don't, you don't come across that often. Um, so what are some of the conversations as founders, right? Like how do you, how do you guys stay aligned on things? I had a co-founder in my company media kits. And I think just the idea of having three other co-founders is, is so unique and different. So how do you manage founder dynamic and conversations at the, at the, you know, founder level? Yeah, I think, I think four is definitely a lot. I think not something we initially had thought about, but I think through communication, through time, through role clarity, I think it's gotten to a much much better place and in any partnership whether it's two people or 10 i think it's just like more communication more yeah. honesty um less like ego which is a lot easier to say a lot harder to do and so always a work in progress for us and i think each person you add to the mix just makes it more complex right because there's you know double triple the number of now relationships yeah. that have to like be kept and maintained and improved on so yeah i love that you know when speaking of ego one of my favorite books is Ego is the enemy, Ryan Holiday. How do you, how have you guys suppressed that, right? I think everyone naturally has some type of ego and thinking about it in a business environment, you, you can't let that control you at all. What are your, what's your advice to leaders that may, you know, not be able to go through that so easily like you guys have when it comes to communication and some of the, the truths that need to be spoken about in business? Yeah, well, well, I wouldn't say that we've gone through it easily. Um, but, but what I would say is like, uh, you know, there's a balance, you know, ego is like a form of identity, you know? So I think, um, I don't like prescribe to the belief that like you have to have like no identity and fully like you sure. know, be, be floating. You know, I think that identity is an important part for everyone to feel like they're part of something to feel like they know who they are. So I think it's just about finding where each person is their best. Yeah. And then, you know, things fluctuate at times, you know, I, probably like my identity was out of whack with like you know my role and and what i felt and blah 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 and i think just about talking about it both in the partnership both with like the relationships i have outside of work yeah. my therapist and you know working on improving that over time that's really all you can do absolutely a couple more questions before we wrap up amen looking in the future of mad happy what excites you that for this year ahead things that you can talk about that are just something that you know like 
what's exciting this year that you're pumped about? Definitely. Um, so a few things. I mean, one is uh, really excited to continue building the podcast. We think it's become a great, um, just different avenue of what we're doing and really a lot more mass, able to reach so many people and, and really fun. So we're going to keep building that. Two is we're opening our first permanent store actually in LA. So that'll open around June. Really excited about that. There's going to be a bunch of cool stuff that goes with it, a, a space that people can visit a lot and feels different and fun and Very inviting. Cool. And then lastly, I think just continuing to expand where the brand can can be seen, can be bought, can be interacted with in the U.S. and and overseas. So uh, excited for that. Very, very exciting. Do you, speaking of the location, is it public yet as to where it'll be in L.A. or just um, L.A.? We haven't announced it yet, but but pretty similar to our other locations. So like in the Melrose area. Very cool. Well, I'm super excited for you and the whole team. Thank you. Last thing before we wrap up, where is the best place where everyone can listen to the podcast, follow the brand, learn more about the jobs and, and follow you as well? Totally. Um, so at Matt Happy on Instagram, at Payment Raff on Instagram and Twitter for me, and then madhappypodcast.com. That'll link you to anything you need to to, to listen uh, on, the, on the player of your choice. So come check us out. I appreciate it, Payment. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know this was... Uh, a powerful conversation for me. And I think that what you guys are building and, and the you know, the impact you're having on the community of mental health and that conversation is so important. So I appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it.